At the age of six, on his first trip to a lake, he bought six packs of Coca-Cola and sold it to the tourist for double the price. At the age of 11, he bought his first stock and well now he regrets that he started too late. At the age of 14, he bought a small farm with his savings from delivering newspapers. By 17, he had started a successful pinball machine franchise at the local barber shops, which earned him enough to declare that for him, business school was redundant. Today, Buffett is estimated to have a net worth of approximately $80 billion, making him the third richest man in the world after Jeff Bezos of Amazon and Bill Gates of Microsoft. And guess what? This man has promised to give away over 99% of his fortune for charity. In 2019, he donated $3.6 billion, much of it to the Bill Gates charity, which aims to reduce extreme poverty, enhance healthcare, hell even eradicate malaria, and expand educational opportunities throughout the world. In 2010, he and Bill Gates launched the Giving Pledge, asking billionaires to commit to donating half of their wealth to charitable causes. Born during the Great Depression, Warren Buffett's story is a rags to riches one, from starting with almost nothing to becoming one of the most influential people in the world. So today, I bring you the top 5 life-changing advices from the Oracle of Omaha himself, Warren Buffett. So hello everyone, my name is Dr. Amrik. I'm doing my residency slash MD in radiology and I'm a firm believer of the fact that you can achieve anything and everything you set your mind to. So without further ado, let's get started. Number one, be determined to succeed. Rosie Blumkin was a retail legend, the entrepreneur who billionaire investor Warren Buffett still likes to refer to as the model for aspiring business managers everywhere. She was born in 1893 in a Russian village and immigrated to America when she was in her 20s. The legend has it that she had a tag around her neck with her husband's address who had just migrated to the country a couple of years back when she first came here. She couldn't speak a single word of English when she arrived at Omaha. But she had that spirit, you know, that spirit of having a dream and working hard to accomplish that dream no matter what life threw at her. As her eldest daughter went to school, she would come back and teach her mother the words that she had learned in school that day. She spent 20 years of her life saving money and bringing the rest of her family, her siblings, her parents over to the States. Blumkin, known as Mrs. B, was in her mid-40s when she started Nebraska Furniture Mart in the basement of her husband's shop in downtown Omaha in 1937 with a mere $500. But Blumkin took a modest investment and turned it into the largest home furnishing stores in the country. Over the next four decades, she turned her business into a juggernaut. So much that in 1893, Buffett bought Blumkin's store in a $60 million deal and made it a part of Berkshire Hathaway. Now just imagine that. So, number two, learn from your mistakes. 
Now, Buffett's company, the Berkshire Hathaway, which a quick Google search would tell you is worth about an astonishing $707.8 billion in assets. The funny thing is that in one of his interviews, Buffett referred Berkshire Hathaway as one of his worst initial investments because in his very own words, it was a lousy textile business. Now, Buffett, what Buffett used back then was a secret but approach to buying stocks, you know. It was like you go out in the street and you find a secret bud and then you, you take it and like get one last high. It's not that good, but then it's for free, right? Who's complaining? So what basically was his approach was buying cheap businesses and then selling them to get a quick profit from them. What you realize though, very quick, that we cannot make like huge sort of gains from that sort of an approach. So he changed that to one of his most quoted lines buying a wonderful business at a fair price rather than a fair business at a wonderful price. So what he did was he turned Berkshire Hathaway into an insurance business. In insurance, we pay the premium first and then much later we go for the claims, right? So we, he took that premium money, invested it, had the time in his side to compound it, increase its value. Hence, he turned Berkshire Hathaway into a profitable business. Now, according to him, time is the enemy of a lousy business, but it is the friend of a wonderful business since it compounds its value. So you might ask like, how am I supposed to apply it to my own life, right? Now, not all of us are business men or women slash. So we can look at our daily habits and rituals and you know, examine them if they're productive enough. We can learn from our mistakes and take corrective measures and incorporate them in our daily rituals and habits. Now, I would like to quote one of my favorite books here, Atomic Habits by James Clear. We often dismiss small changes because they don't seem to matter much in the moment. Okay. What we need to understand is that each and every small action we take is meaningful because at the end of the day, they are actions, right? We need to take one action before we can take two or three. It's as simple as you cannot take a huge action until and unless you have taken a small one. And those aggregation of those little marginal gains is a key factor we often dismiss. Earth shattering progresses are not made overnight. Okay. There's another quote from the book I would like to talk about is the time magnifies the margin between success and failure. What we have to understand is that time will multiply whatever you feed it. So good habits would make time your ally and bad habits would make time your enemy. So number three, be the person you want to be. So in one of Buffett's interviews, he says, if you are young and have the choice of the type of person you want to be, why not be the person you always admire instead of being a person you can't stand, right? It's that simple. If you can't stand those qualities in someone else, why should you possess them? So you have to write down the top qualities of the people you admire the most, you know. After And after a while, you will realize that like most of those qualities are not innate and like you don't require some sort of advanced degree to acquire them. So elaborating on that, who we are is actually determined by the stories we tell ourselves. We have all lived through a thousand memories in our lifetime and yet we recall only a very certain few, right? 
and the choice of what we remember and the stories we tell ourselves determines who we really are or what we think of ourselves see very simply put if you think that you are a winner in life you would remember parts of your life that reflect that identity all right so if you have a setback but in with this mindset any setback would be tagged as a minor hiccup or a pullback which actually catapulted you to success or probably will catapult you to success in the future on the other side with the exact opposite identity you can view the same incident as just another confirmation of the fact that the world wrongs you at every possible chance right we experience the social pressure of staying the same right the famous breakup cliche being you just changed you're not the same person i once loved right <laughs> and people will also tell you just be yourself but what we have to understand here is that what we consider ourselves to be isn't innate it's not something we were born with it's something that has been shaped by our peers our surroundings For example, you would have been a completely different person if you were born in a different country, a different locality, raised by different parents, right? So, the thing with peers and surroundings right now for you is that you can change both. If you want to change your life, you have to change yourself first. If you want to life to get better, you have to get better. And the recipe of creating a change really isn't that hard. it like it can be broken into two very simple steps step 1 you have to decide the sort of person you want to be and step 2 you have to prove it to yourself in small wins you want to lose weight tell yourself that you are a sort of person who walks who works out you know and uh, as a small win just take a simple walk back from work instead of getting a taxi you know so run for like 10 minutes and that will just do it You want to become a better writer? Tell yourself that you're a person who writes every day. And as a small win, just sit down and write a paragraph every single day. Simple. So number four, never be complacent. Always be competing. In Buffett's own words, the biggest thing that kills of huge businesses is complacency you want a re- little bit of restlessness you know a feeling that you want to stay ahead of people and always on the move it's almost dangerous to be resting on your own laurels so if we look into the science of happiness you know we can divide it into like three levels level 1 is pleasure like something that gives off that immediate spike of happiness and then goes down very quickly it's like you know having a pizza driving a fast car sex binge watching friends or the office then there is level 2 passion writing playing an instrument playing a sport a characteristic feature of passion is you lose the sense of time you know and it sends it stays for a longer period of time the top level is always purpose a self perceived purpose in life you know goals life the you know chasing them the goals which are meant for the greater good so if you don't have self perceived purpose in life there's always a chance that whatever success you achieve can lead to complacency and that might even lead to failure and no i'm not only talking about hustle to gain like money or fame in fact according to psychiatrist robert waldinger 
the director of a 75 year old Howard research study on adult development. Yeah, 75 years, I said that right. <laughs> the secret to happiness is not riches and fame, but good relationships with family, friends, and community. And relationships even need work. You can't go complacent in them and take people for granted. Addictions, compulsions and neurosis and other self-sabotaging behaviors keep many of us locked in our mental prisons and hinder our ability to flourish to our maximum potential. We need to regain control of our life and begin like moving in a direction which you know allows us to enjoy that life-affirming experience that comes with personal growth. And the best way to do this is to commit ourselves to the pursuit of excellence in any of our chosen field. A purpose-driven existence, in my opinion, definitely is the only way to true happiness. In place of the hours we devote to, you know, pleasurable distractions, we must devote this time to cultivating the habits and skills needed to excel in our work, life and relationships. So the next one, the 525 rule. As the story goes, Buffett was talking to his pilot, Mike Flint, who had worked for him for the past 10 years. He wanted to discuss about Flint's career goals and how he could help him achieve them. The fact that you're still working for me, Buffett jokes, tells me I'm not doing my job right. <laughs> so in step one, Flint was asked to list the top 25 things he wanted to achieve in his foreseeable future. Step two. Flint was asked to rank them in the order of their importance and circle the top 5. So what you're gonna do with the rest 20? Buffett asked. To which Flint replied that the first 5 were of primary importance on which he was going to work now. The next 20 came in a close second on which he planned to work intermittently in the foreseeable future whenever he thought right. Those were not urgent according to him but he still planned to give them dedicated effort in the future. So after a brief moment of silence, Buffett looked at Mike and said, No. Hell no. Step 3. Everything you don't circle becomes your avoid at all costs list. No matter what, these things get no attention from you until you have succeeded in your top 5. So what you have to understand here is the importance of selective focus. In a world in which we live in, it is a world full of distractions in which selective focus and patience is the key to succeed. Your odds of success improve exponentially when you direct your focus to a singular pursuit. So thank you for sticking till this long. Now for you, here's a bonus tip. Number six, read. Now, an 86-year-old Warren Buffett said, I just read, read and read. I probably read for about 5-6 to six hours every day. Newspapers, annual reports, magazines. <laughs> so, books basically are years or decades of knowledge and research in a very condensed form. Something that you can consume in hours and directly apply to any area of your life you want to improve upon. See, the more you read about great people, the more their mindsets, their attitudes, their belief systems, their thought models seep into you. See, there's a quote which says, like, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. 
so this is the hack the cheat code read more aspirational you know motivational books by great people consume more audio and video content you know that inspires you right and hence you are spending more time with them you know read those books consume that sort of content that inspires you that fills you with this fire in your belly to get out of your bed and fulfill your inner potential people say that like we millennials have five fragmented attention spans and we can't read books right just sit down and read books we can't just can't do that the people just say that people just assume that but hey like joe rogan does like 2 to 3 hour podcast right and the day he exclusively went to spotify from like youtube apple podcast and google the spotify share spot up the like at the time of recording the market price of market valuation of spotify shot up by about 4.5 billion dollars <laughs> imagine that so like if you can't read a book then at least like take small steps start with a youtube video or a podcast listen to it while you're like commuting working out doing your daily chores and i mean whatever you retain whatever little you retain I assure you, it would be better than some um, random rap, rap lyrics from some random Bacha song you would be listening to otherwise. Alright, so that's it for today. Let me know what are your thoughts on the podcast and how I can improve maybe. <laughs> this is me, Amri, signing off. I wish you have a really productive day. Thank you.